What are we communicating to people? And how do other people perceive us? Sometimes we have an intention of how we want to connect with someone, but it's not landing. And so we need to do our own homework and look at how we're relating. So the biggest, biggest, biggest reason why it's important is in the realm of parenting. We want to help our kids relate and get along with other people. Hi, and welcome to Help Them Bloom, a podcast for conscious parents. All right, parents, raising children is no small job. And how you choose to raise your child during their first years impacts so much of their self-worth and how they'll navigate life. As a child and parenting expert, I'm here on a mission to help you parent intentionally through the messiest of your moments and in a way that feels good to you. Let's dive in. Welcome back, everybody. I'm here with a special guest and friend of mine, Dr. Cassie Feldman. She's a licensed clinical psychologist in private practice. She works primarily with adults and with older teens, and she has a subspecialty in health psychology and working with medical patients. She also teaches clinical psychology doctoral students, and family medicine residents. She is also one of the most brilliant minds I've ever met. I kid you not. You will see for yourselves. I'm nodding, but they're not going to be able to hear my nods, so I need to say that audibly. Yes, you really are. I'm so excited and grateful that you're here to share your wisdom with us today. Welcome, Cass. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me, and I'm always honored to be on your platforms. So, Today, we're going to talk about something that I find fascinating, but we know it's also something that's so important in relationships and in life. Uh, We're going to talk about body language, which is so interesting. How did you get into learning about body language? And why do you think body language is so important? So important for so many reasons. We are constantly communicating. Mm-hmm. All of the time, even when we're not trying to. So we have facial expressions, of course, and we have our words. I mean, that should come before facial expressions. We have our words. But beyond that, we have our facial expressions. There's something called micro expressions, which is these split second moments that sort of reveal our true sentiments. And they're not within our awareness usually. They happen again in an instant, in a fraction of a second, but they communicate so much to people. Almost think of like this involuntary emotional leakage that happens and also gestures. There's a lot that gets sort of rolled into body language when we think about it. So there's tone, there's the way we say things, not just what we're saying, how we say it. And so we're constantly communicating, right? You can think about that scene in The Devil Wears Prada where they roll out the rack of clothes and Miranda Priestly like purses her lips and they say, right. she pursed her lip. We don't even need words. So we are constantly communicating and especially for your followers and your platform, we're thinking about parenting. So we're going to gear our conversation about body language towards that today. But ultimately, it's really important for us to be not only plugged into our words, but also our nonverbals. And so there's this very famous author, his name is Joe Navarro. He's written a lot of books on body language, and they're meant for the layperson. I recommend them to everyone. He talks a lot about the utility and how he uses it. He used to work for the FBI. He actually grew up in Miami, came here from another country, and he didn't speak English. 
And he relied solely on reading people and body language to understand how to relate. He ended up being one of the premier leaders in this area uh, of research. The most important thing that we need to be paying attention to is what are we communicating to people and how do other people perceive us? Sometimes we have an intention of how we want to connect with someone, but it's not landing. And so we need to do our own homework and look at how we're relating. So the biggest, biggest, biggest reason why it's important is in the realm of parenting. We want to help our kids relate and get along with other people. Yeah. And, you know, the kids, especially the younger ones, will pick up on the nonverbals way before they actually pick up on what parents are saying, right, with their words. So mm-hmm. they're, too, they're wired to screen those nonverbal cues, really just primed out of, out of their own safety and survival. Like, I've got to kind of see if my parent is a threat to me right now or my caregiver, are they a threat or are they safe? That's sort of what they're looking for. So I know we're wired to really pick up on this body language since we're so young, right? I'm so glad that you're breaking that up because it makes me think of one of my clinical cases with one of my teenagers who will approach her parent and ask for something and the words that the parent is is saying or are saying are misaligned Mm. with some of the body language. And because it's a teenager, they have the capacity to ask about the discrepancy, but many other kids don't have. So you brought up a point, which was a lot of the time we are, it's not even in our consciousness, like how our body language is being expressed. So, and you said we have something called like micro expressions. I think you said it was called, can you give us like examples of those? Sure. So think about a time that you're sitting somewhere and someone walks in that you like and you're greeting them, but you're not using your words. What Mm. do you usually do? You raise your eyebrows Mm. very, very slightly and very briefly. And you're not sitting there deciding like, let me open my eyes a bit water. Like, let me raise my eyebrows. But we all sort of have come to know that if someone looks at you and they're like, oh my gosh, hi, they're raising their their eyebrows, even flashing them for just a bit. There's something inviting about that. And there's something welcoming, even without words. And so we all have these behaviors. They're sort of, they're governed by the brain. And again, they're not conscious. We're not thinking about doing them that are sort of ingrained and built in. We can talk a little bit too about smiles. There's research that shows like what is an authentic smile versus Mm. what is a fake smile. And I think we all know it. We can feel it when that happens. A real smile is the cheek goes to a different position than a fake smile. And so once you start to pay attention to some of these cues, it makes a huge difference for how, how you relate. When I'm thinking of parents and kids, like I'm thinking about it so like both ways, like I'm thinking of the way that we are portraying ourselves to our kids, right? Our body language, what is it expressing to our kids? Is it connecting, open, safe? Is it not? Is it rejecting? Is it threatening? But I'm also thinking about learning to read like our kids' cues, which I think are so important and I think misread a lot of times by parents too so often are misread. So I feel like you're, you're asking what are the basics that we want to be paying attention to? What, yes. do, what should parents be paying attention to? Or what, do, what should human beings be paying attention to? Never mind parents. We should all be paying attention to. So I think that the main things to pay attention to are a few things. And then we'll get into to some more specifics. But basically, 
you want to think beyond the verbal. I tell this to my doctoral students too, right? Like the content of what someone is saying to you in a session is important, but how someone is saying it is even more important. And sometimes we will not interpret what someone is telling us in their words. We will interpret what is happening with that person in the room. And we want to do the same thing with our, with our kids or with other people in our life. So we want to look beyond the verbal. That's like step one. What are the gestures? What is the tone? What's the how? What is someone's body doing? Certainly at baseline, we all look at someone's face. That's a focal point. Mm -hmm. And mostly we're looking at eyes and lips, right? Those are essentially sort of like a window, a window into the soul and can convey a lot about what we're feeling. Mm -hmm. But there are other parts of the body too to pay attention to. And if anyone reads the Joe Navarro book, they will learn very quickly that actually one of the most telling parts of the body are the feet. Oh. No one things to look at. It's very interesting to think about Zoom and being in Zoom school and Zoom therapy and all of the things that happen virtually where we don't get to see a lot of the body. But oftentimes we're looking at someone's face, but the feet tell us a lot. You can think about when you were taking a test growing up. Were your legs wrapped around like the bars of the chair? Mm. I mean, my a legs are always like intertwined, which is, I don't know what that's about. So sometimes that happens when we're thinking or we're under duress, but I'm sure if any teachers are listening to this, they will, they will remember that one or they will notice that one. There's a lot of interesting things that happen um, with the feet. And, and Joe Navarro talks about this. He talks about being engaged in different social settings and, and business building uh, meetings, sorry. And people, their body is sort of shifted towards a person and engaged, but their feet are pointed towards the door. They're ready to go. But they don't feel comfortable socially, maybe to be able to say that they want to leave or escape. So the feet tell us a lot about intentionality and what we're feeling, or sometimes our feet will will point towards someone that we're more comfortable with. So obviously the feet, we know when when kids like wiggle and jiggle and <laughs> and do all of that leg shaking, they they tell us so much. So you want to look at things all together. So I'm going now. Wild. It is yeah. wild. So, so you can like look at your kids' feet during like one of these moments, and you, and that will be expressing something. Like if they're pointing a certain way, or if they're restless, or okay. Correct. The most important thing when we're talking about like what are the basics, we want to know like what is someone's baseline, and we want to know the context, right? Like if someone is sort of like a wiggly jiggly kind of person, or a kid yeah. is a wiggly jiggly kind of kid. We're not going to like overinterpret or over pathologize. Another thing is blink rate. Kids, if they blink a lot, actually all of us, not even just kids, if our blink rate increases and we're blinking very fast, it's actually sometimes a signal that we're nervous or we're anxious. Hmm. But someone may at baseline have something off with their vision and may blink a lot. So we don't want to misinterpret. This is where context matters and mm-hmm. mind matters. If you know your child is typically not restless and they're not a wiggly jiggly and then right. suddenly they're jiggling, that's probably telling you something. And so we have to be mindful of, of context, baseline, and also culture, right? Like in certain cultures, it's very typical to not make eye contact mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. elders or not break eye contact in certain situations. Eye contact can be interpreted as a sign of respect or disrespect. Right. We have to be mindful that we're t- taking that into account. Sometimes averting gaze or not making eye contact is shame or avoidance or disconnect. Right. So we want to be mindful of all of that. 
Okay. And let me ask you something when it comes to, okay, first let's talk about us as parents. What can we do to help our kids feel more connected to us with our bodies? Essentially, we all sort of like move about our world in a way that's thoughtless. And so one of the first things that you can do is pay attention to your own body language. Mm -hmm. Some of the things to pay attention to are positive versus negative body language. And I'll, I'll talk about what that actually means. So what is positive body language when we're connecting to people? It's a relaxed posture. Hmm. It's being engaged. Sometimes it's leaning in. If you sense that your child is moving away from you, you might choose not to lean in. You want to read that cue. Right. It's in good eye contact. Again, these are not formulaic. These are not be-all, end-alls. If your child is breaking eye contact, you might actually need to break eye contact and give them some space. So we're talking about positive yeah. body language with the caveat that there needs to be a sensitivity to the moment. I want to say something on on the eye contact one second, because you brought up a good point where I think a lot, I think sometimes parents will, will be looking at their kids in the eyes and sometimes the kids will be looking away or look away. Right. And I've seen it where parents will take that as a sign of disrespect from the child or a sign of like defiance. And it's actually most often that they feel overwhelmed and, and overstimulated and they need like a sensorial break. So that's a, that's a really good point to bring. And, you know, I will say like, look at me in the eye. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Look at me. Look at me. I'm talking to you. So often it's not only about what we're doing, but it's really, really being so mindful and aware of how to read your child's body in those moments of distress. So I just wanted to to bring that note in because I see that really often and it's just misinterpreted. It is misinterpreted. And and I think the whole point is that we, you know, especially if we're, we're activated or, or triggered, and if you talk a lot about this on yeah. your platform, like it's, it's hard to think straight in the yeah. moment. In the middle of this book called like brain body parenting, and it's so, it's so aligned with a lot of what you're saying, because it really talks about how we've learned to like see our kids or see people and in parenting, like from the top down, like from the, you know, from the thinking down. And this is actually the opposite. It's like, if you don't understand how to read their bodies and what their bodies are saying, it's going to be really hard to actually understand their needs and their state that they're in and how to provide skills when we don't really know what their bodies are feeling because they don't even know a lot of times what their bodies are necessarily feeling. So I think what you're saying is really aligned to like what I'm reading right now, which is it, it's really widening the lens of how I see parenting too. looking beyond behavior as just behavior, but it's a sign of something going on in the body. Right. So, so what we can see as disrespect is actually can actually just be overwhelm and we misinterpret it. Yeah. Or shame. Right. There's so many things. So we have good eye contact, relaxed posture. Mm-hmm. Nodding. Nodding. Okay. Yes. Like as if you're taking note or registering is being shared or said or connecting. It's also validating to nod. Leaning in appropriately. Yeah. Leaning in Um, when they're receiving it. Mm -hmm. Empathy, warmth, and respect. Those are the Mm -hmm. three things you have to try to embody. All of those things create that quote unquote like safe space Mm -hmm. that we really want 
our child to know that we're available and we're open and we're listening and we're connected, even if we're not happy. Doesn't mean that we're not happy, doesn't mean that we're not activated, but all of those things convey that again, like with modifications when appropriate, right? If your child is moving away from you and you keep encroaching on them and leaning in, that's not respectful and that's not going to feel good. That can feel smothering and intrusive. And so we have to say like, these are sort of like positive body language, quote unquote, with exceptions. And that also needs to be tailored in the moment situationally. So we need to be good at first bringing our consciousness to our own body language, but also bringing in a lot of mindfulness to their body language and what they're kind of saying back. It's like this dance that we do, right, with them and see how they respond. So what are, Cass, some of like the maybe negative ones? Because we talk a lot about you can't regulate a child if you are dysregulated. That just doesn't work, right? So I know it's a lot easier said than done, but but tuning in and, and understanding how negative body language can actually contribute to more dysregulation or more of this feeling of, of you're so escalated to your child. Like, what would that look like? Absolutely. I think it's important to talk about this piece because sometimes we're engaged in negative body language and it's mm-hmm. not necessarily purposeful. Leaning away, looking away, yawning, mm-hmm. being impatient interrupting, having a tense body. Maybe that means having a furrowed brow or a wrinkled brow or crossing your arms or leaning on your elbow as if you're bored or making negative expressions like your eyebrows are wrinkled or you're scowling, you're shaking your head, no, or your eyes are sort of narrowed because you're distrustful or you're skeptical. Yeah. I feel like there's a look that kids get from people, from parents when they don't when they're not believed, when we don't believe them. It's this, like, I don't know about that. And that's, we don't even have to say anything, right? It just, you could see it in our face. And from a very early age, Mm -hmm. there's that baby lab that studies babies just a few days old are picking up on all sorts of cues in the environment. And so that's not to scare people and to say, you're not allowed to get it wrong. You absolutely are human and it's okay to get it wrong, but it's the reflection piece that matters. Yeah. You know, this reminds me of something, and I'm wanting out. This brought something to mind, which was there are times where I am like setting a boundary or I'm firm with Liv. And, you know, it's a, or she maybe didn't, well, didn't cooperate one, two, three times. And I get a little bit firmer. I'm not yelling, but there probably is a shift in my body language. And she responds to me by saying, like, you're yelling at me. I'm not yelling. My tone is is the same. It's not probably the same, but it's not yelling. But she's interpreting, now that you're saying this, I'm thinking, huh, she's probably interpreting my body language. It's not even just the tone of my voice, but it's everything together feels to her. She's perceiving it as like yelling. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yep. And I'm like, oh, maybe it's just my body and what I'm doing. My my look, you know, my facial experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's quote unquote yelling, even though yes. you haven't. Because then we'll answer like, I'm not yelling, you know, but it's like everything else about your body just is, you know, feels really threatening and negative to the child in the moment kind of thing. So I'm thinking like that, that makes so much sense. That was like an aha it moment. Getting on their level and crouching yeah. down and being at eye level 
is so important for symbolically showing that you're connecting with them. You're physically getting on their level, but it also takes out some of the pressure that comes with like the hierarchy, right? There's the hierarchy. And there's the physical distancing. And so it's like intimidating almost to, you know, there was once this video I saw where they had, I don't remember if it was like a kindergartner or no, it was maybe a first grader. I don't know. And they put a, a GoPro camera on their head, like on their helmet, sent them to school and showed like them through the day and how it was crazy, how overwhelming it was to even watch that because they are surrounded by big people all day long. And so I can picture, you know, when you're, when you're talking to them or I saw it in the video, it was, it was like something that we don't think about, but thinking about how big the world feels to them and how big we feel to them, especially if we're trying to like have, you know, a tricky conversation or anything like that or something important, getting on their level. Like I think what you're saying is, oh my gosh, it's so symbolic, but also just helps them probably feel a lot safer too. Agree. So I mean, yes, as as a very not tall person, I think about sitting next to people <laughs> that are much taller than me. And usually when I'm surrounded by my brother and his friends that are six foot four, I'm like looking up at you people are here. Yeah. And I can't yeah. imagine what that feels like for a kid. So I think getting on their level is critical and so important, especially um, at a time of disconnect or tension or having to have a conversation, you know, in the ordinary day-to-day moments. Yeah. And before we move on, Cass, I wanted to ask you if there are certain cues that are important to read in our kids, if like what they're kind of conveying or telling us that you would just throw out here. I think just paying attention to largely, this is going to be broad, but like connection and disconnection, like okay, if their back turned away, are they rolling their eyes? Like we'll talk about some of those things. Are they doing anything? to self-soothe or like Mm -hmm. the need to, I'll talk about this blink rate is really important. If someone's eyes are fluttering or blinking a lot, it's probably a cue to pay attention to like they're nervous or or overwhelmed or processing something. Same thing with like earlobe pulling and earlobe tugging. See like playing with an earring or something like that. It's like a nervous habit or brushing your nose or when kids, um, we all do this too as adults, like rub your tongue along your teeth and like mm. push out your filtrum underneath your nose. Like those are all things that we do to regulate. I see that with my daughter. She She's reading now, but she's learning to read uh, more fluently, you know, with fluency and at a more advanced level. But when she, when we're reading chapter books at home and it's her turn to read, she like will read while she wiggles her whole body. And she does, she's not a wiggler. So I can feel that that's her sort of just trying to like self-soothe as she's doing something that feels challenging. So I totally picked up on that, you know, and part of me that what, you know, if, if I didn't know that I'd be like, stop moving. But like, I, I see what she's doing. I did want to go back to what we were saying before about like just some other considerations on our own um, sort of ways of being as parents connecting with kids because nowadays Botox is more common than Botox. And okay, let's talk about Botox. That's a really good one that I think, Botox. Uh, you know, I love Botox. Um, but yes, how is it? How is it disruptive <laughs> in my facial expressions? Do tell. <laughs> It is disruptive, not just for you, but in general, like while it does obviously relax wrinkles and increase the appearance of youth, it does make it actually much harder 
for children and mm. partners and friends to detect cues. They've also done some studies that show that we process our own emotions differently because part of when we process emotions of others is predicated on our reactions and like our facial expressiveness. And if we're not expressing in the same way, we're not processing those feelings or those emotions or those experiences the same way, but other people also might need some more verbal information or Mm -hmm. some other ways. We might have to compensate certain places to convey what we're really feeling. Um, So just something to be mindful of. Some yeah. people get both up and it's very natural and they still have a reactive forehead. Other <laughs> people are like quite frozen. So <laughs> in those situations, probably need to compensate by being a little bit more vocal about what you're actually feeling and fill in the gap for your child. What a great point, Cass. That really, it really yeah. is good. And the other one I know we had spoken about before that I want to touch on is phones. Can we talk about what is that doing? Okay. So it it goes back to our conversation on negative behaviors, which is what I wanted to say on them, which is sometimes we inadvertently communicate, we'll say like quote unquote negative body language or sort of negative behaviors. And it's not because we're turned off or upset about something or or activated or are trying to turn away. It's we're so plugged in Mm -hmm. to this other world. And when we're in it and you know it, and I know it when I'm in my phone, I'm in my world. Like I know exactly what's happening and it's all making sense. And I'm very plugged in and engaged, but the person looking at me has no idea that I'm answering an email or responding to a patient or like trying to like save an appointment or whatever else. And it can seem like I'm maybe disinterested if someone approaches me with something important in the moment, but I'm preoccupied. And so we have to be really mindful of phone use um, and how it reads to children and people, because there's the tendency and the temptation when you're in the middle of something, especially to continue to look down while you're talking to your child and they have something that they want to show you and they want to connect. And you're like, yeah, so interesting. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not authentic. Yeah. That doesn't feel authentic to them. And this reminds me actually, I don't know, Cass, if you um, had heard or know about that still face experiment um, that they did with little toddler babies. I don't remember how old they were. I think they were like close to one many years ago. And then they actually repeated it now, but it's when, it's literally the power of your facial expression on the feeling of connection safety on a child. So they had a a baby playing with a mom and they told the mom to engage and be receptive. And then they had the mom actually have her face completely blank and still and not, not respond to the baby's cues. Baby would be at first reaching out, being like, huh, what's going on? And like laughing, mom wouldn't respond, just be still. And Within probably seven seconds, that baby completely dysregulated and was so distressed, arching its back, crying, like not understanding what was happening. The good news of this experiment was that as soon as mom like re-engaged, it took almost nothing for that baby to feel soothed and calm and like go back to playing. But when I think about it, it's not like we're we're just blankly staring at our kids like that all day, but that's probably the face we're mimicking when we're just plugged into our phones. It's this still face that we're giving. Well, and it's my, uh, my other association to you saying that relates to my perinatal clients and postpartum. There is something to be said for weighing the pros and cons, like there are risks that potentially come with taking certain medications, but there's also a certain degree of risk that comes with not being able to connect with your baby mm-hmm. and not being able to be reactive 
if you are so profoundly depressed, that study sort of highlights that being connected and our body language really does matter. And one of the things that we didn't say earlier, but we can say now um, when we were saying like, what is the value to this? What is the value to knowing this? It's going to shape your children and knowing how to relate to other people and have better mm-hmm. relationships. But you talk a lot about attachment in your yes. work. And this is, this is my job. job. Like, yeah. This is the relational blueprint that gets passed down and yep. what we mirror and what we show our children is what gets internalized. And so with the issue of smartphones, obviously they're part of our day to day. They're part of yeah. our culture. We all use them. And, and there is a certain degree of, of understanding at some point down the line, like our children will have phones themselves and understand that it's not a matter of being disinterested, but I do think especially in that critical sort of like early development stage, it's very important to be mindful of when you're being approached to, to be engaged. Even, even now that Liv is older and she understands she's seven, but I, I find like when I'm able to tell her even like what you just said, like what I'm doing on my phone, like, hang on, I'm just sending an email or I'm just answering this quick text message. Like I'm sort of helping her feel like I, I'm not not interested in what you're saying or, I, you know, I want to hear you. I'm doing this. Like, so I think even if when we sort of walk our kids through what we're doing for a minute, that even makes a difference. So it's not to say like mm-hmm. your, your, your phone can never come out, right? It's sort of just being mindful of how they're receiving that too. You know, she oh, was yeah. three years old and she, I remember she was three when she was already like, demanding that I put my phone away. Put your phone away, mommy. Put your phone away. No phone, no phone, no phone. Like she was very vocal about when I would take it out and like we were playing or something like that, which I appreciated because honestly, and I, I, I know this happens. Like you, you don't even, you lose track. You really do. You get so sucked into this world of like, it's also for us, I guess, self-soothing, right? Like we'll sort of be like, oh, okay. I'm like, parenting's exhausting. I just want to like scroll or I just want to, you know, look, look away. I just want to, you know, do something. It is self-regulating. Yeah. It yeah. is absolutely. But I think that, that what your point is, and I think it's a good one is it's important to clue live into your world and for parents to, yeah. to clue their children into their world, which is, it can seem disinterested if you don't give words to the experience. Let's end off with some tips. How can you, improve nonverbal communication as a family? Like what are some good little practices we could do? First, start with a conversation when it's age appropriate to tell your kids body language is important, Mm -hmm. right? Like what your body is sort of doing is actually speaking. And so it tells us a lot about your intentions and how you feel and how other people feel. And I want to help you understand that in other people, it's going to make you have better friendships. Yeah, it's going to help you feel more understood. And so it's important that we talk about it. And so just having like making sure it's you're starting to have a dialogue about it is sort of the, the first quote unquote thing. Um, but ho- also helping them understand that words, words can hurt, they can say hurtful things, but body language can also convey mm-hmm. a lot, right? And can also be hurtful, right? So if they turn away, or if they roll their eyes, mm-hmm. You know, it can communicate that they don't care or don't respect a person. And so there's so much being shared, again, just without words. And it's important. You can watch something with the sound off with your child and see, can you articulate and can they Mm. articulate what is happening? Like, what are the characters feeling? What do they think is happening? What do they notice? Because there's so much that goes into it. There's the music and the tone and the words. 
I love that. So you can mute something they're watching and then make this a little game about what what you think is going on with the characters, what they're experiencing, what they're feeling, what are they portraying. I love that. That's so creative. And then maybe re-watching the scene after mm-hmm. muting it with with sound and, and seeing, like, did we get it right? Did we get it wrong? Even people watching at a restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Liv would always be interested in the children in public melting melting down. (laughs) She she would love to watch them. Um, Or the ones actually getting in trouble. She was fascinated by that, by the parents reprimanding the children. And she, you know, she she was little, but I remember her pointing it out and be like, what's happening over there? Or like, look at that girl. She's so sad. Or look at that parent. She must be getting in trouble. Like, so yeah. So even in public, people watching is good practice. Not, you know, that's actually, that's actually like what my mom used to do when I was growing up. She mm. would like be out in public, she'd be like, what do you think is happening here and there and whatever. And so it was one way that I started to learn to read people and be connected to people and be socially attuned yeah. to people. And so I think that there's all different ways to, to practice this. Another thing that you can do at home is practice saying the same phrase in different tones of voice and also emoting visibly. So like, what would it mean to say something in an angry sort of way, Mm. in an enthusiastic way, in a neutral way, in a sad way, in a happy way? So what would that look like? Also drawing, drawing or using toys. I mean, yeah. Yeah, we use play a lot. So just using play to kind of teach these things. I'm even thinking about like like a charades kind of game. Like guess what I'm um, trying to convey. Like you're not, you know, not necessarily like I'm bowling, but something that where you work in that they need to use like expressive body language or something that can be fun. Emotional charades. You should actually do that. I should. Okay. And the last one, the last one is sort of like the simplest one of all is pointing things out live in vivo. For example, let's say Liv is standing too close to a friend and that friend might seem like they look a little uncomfortable or actually might take a step back. Mm-hmm. You can gently say to her, Liv, let's give Jason a little bit more room and let's take a step back. Did you notice he took a step back? Yeah. He's saying to you that, that he might need some space. Different people like to be closer or further apart just naming things in the moment and non-judgmentally um, to help convey yes, some information. I love that. I work with kids on that, like personal space like that too, like really talking about what feels comfortable for each person. But you, what you bring is something the most important, which is reading the other person's cue, right? So some people will like the hug that you give them. Some kids don't like hugs. They rather have a high five. Some people, so learning to kind of gauge what other kids are feeling in in their classes and peer groups and then being able to like adjust accordingly. So I love all these practical strategies. Thank you so much for them, Cass. Where can people find you if they want to learn more? People can find me at my website. It's drcfeldman.com. Okay. I will add it at the show notes anyways. Thank you so much for helping us bloom today. You are ray of sunshine in my life. So, so grateful. Thank you so much, Cass. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for hanging out with me today. To keep up with the latest episodes, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. 
and to keep up with the latest content and workshop offerings, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. You can do this on my website, www.hatchandbloom.co. You can also catch me on Instagram at hatchandbloomco. See you soon.